sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Back on the grid, Mike and George. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid on Instagram at SportsGridTV. George can be found on Twitter at George Kurtz. I'm at Mike Pluitt. Everything's pretty simple there. So, uh, George, as we are seeing everything unfold throughout these several months that we've been doing this show, and we've been trying to draw blood from a stone in terms of finding news the stories surrounding social justice reform in a variety of different sports, and as it relates to football, have been a lot of what we've talked about, right? I think we all know that the temperature now for protests in the NFL is different than it was four years ago when Colin Kaepernick was doing it. And John Mara of the New York Giants, obviously one of the sort of crown jewel ownership groups, uh, longtime ownership groups in the NFL, had some comments. So. He said his preference is for players to stand during the national anthem, but that the First Amendment provides them the right to kneel. He says, quote, I'm going to continue to support the players. Uh, he said that via Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News. I understand the fact and accept the fact that's not that that's not going to be necessarily popular with certain segments of our fan base, but I think that's the right thing to do. So there were times in the past where Mara was forcefully against it and other owners were forcefully against it. But I think it's gotten to a point now where we're looking for a respectful protest and the NFL owners are going to acknowledge it. Maybe not necessarily parts of the fan base or certain politicians, but that's the way it looks like it's going to be. We've heard comments from Dallas Cowboys players and others saying that we intend to do something and be respectful about it. I think that's the key there. You want to be respectful about it. Uh, I think you know how I feel, Mike. I've uh, stated my opinion on the show before. Um, I have always wondered why we even sing the National Anthem before sporting events. We don't sing it before a movie. You don't sing it before you're going out and having a barbecue or whatever else. Why do we sing it before a, uh, a sporting game? What's so, di- what's so different about that? So uh, that's one way I think all sports can alleviate the problem. Just don't sing it before a game anymore. Uh, you wouldn't have to worry about it. Personally, I would stand. You know, I come from a military family somewhat. My father, uh, uncle, several cousins were all uh, in the military. So I would stand. I don't necessarily think kneeling is... You know, um, mocking anything. We, if you're you're a church-going person, which I'll be the first to admit I am not, but you're a church, you, you kneel to praise the God, who supposedly is the most, the highest form, right? But kneeling to the flag is disrespectful. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't think you should sit. I think that is disrespectful. I wouldn't sit. I would never sit. But kneeling doesn't bother me at all. You know, it never really has. I think these uh, these players are starting to want to use their platform to uh, get change, and I don't blame them for that. If they wait until after they retire or when they're not in the public light, they can't make as much noise. We saw what happened, what, a week ago, 10 days ago, when the NBA, NHL, MLB players all had their wildcat strike, for lack of a better term. It's really what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and games were canceled to bring uh, publicity to the uh, problem. So uh, I don't think football players will do that, mind you. I don't think they will, mainly because it's two weeks later when they would be doing it and also because the games would be a nightmare to try and make up. You know, I, I wouldn't surprise you that the NFL would make them all play Wednesdays then. Oh, you got two days off now. You know, I don't think anybody wants that. So uh, I don't expect anything to happen that way. But I think we're going to see 
most games where a certain amount of players are going to kneel or put the fist in the air or wherever, however else they're going to do this. You said one thing that is still curious, and I, you know, I'm not, we're not going to explore it too much during this segment because we want to get uh, to news. And by the way, a little bit later, we have coming up, uh, Emory Hunt will help us through some of the latest NFL stories. But uh, you said that you're from military family. I have uh, family uh, just recently retired from the military as well. And uh, I, I think sometimes that does get twisted t together. And I think that's why some people get angry about it. I, I think you can be uh, entirely dedicated to doing a respectful protest uh, in order to shed light on an issue, in this instance, uh, towards uh, police brutality, but not have any it not have any connection with the military at all. Uh, I, I think the flag and the military are always going to be intertwined in some respect, but I don't think kneeling for the anthem is uh, direct disrespect to the military. I, I don't personally think that, but I would also stand. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm for any of the issues that are being protested against. Anyway, uh, just it's important because John Mara, I'll close it on him saying this, I'll tell you this, one of the most memorable team meetings I've ever been involved with, I guess, took place right after the George Floyd murder, Mara said. I listened to the players talk about their own experiences growing up, dealing with law enforcement, and to see the raw emotion that came out of them. I mean, guys got very emotional talking about it. It was something that was really an eye-opener for me. Uh, and to see how they've reacted since then, all the work they put in their communities and local communities here is really gratifying and makes it easier to want to support them. So. I think it's a good lesson. John Marrow had a different point of view. He opened his ears, listened, and uh, he came out feeling differently about the topic. And I, hopefully we can all do that uh, as we move ahead. So quick transition to football. Jadavian Clowney, George, he's waited it out. And guess what? He's got multiple bidders. I don't know what the bids are, though. That's the problem. And that's what we're waiting for, right? Apparently, I mean, over the past, uh, what, 12, 16 hours, we're hearing Saints and Titans that they're, all, they're going all out to try and sign them. They got players contacting, oh, yeah, come play here, come play here. Uh, I would think if that's true, you're going to the Saints, right? I mean, Saints, really good team, a favorite. Titans are a good team, but they're not the favorite to go to Super Bowl or anything like that. They might make the playoffs. But uh, if I'm clowny, if the money's even, I'm going to New Orleans. You know, I think that's what it comes down to. But then again, is the money even? We don't right. know. You know, and listen. You think it's only a one-year deal? I would think so at this point. You think someone's going to give him a three, four-year deal, fifteen no. million a year? No, I, no. it has throw, to be one. Throw, one. throw an extra year on it. Why aren't the Lions in this? They need pass rushers. Forget, forget that. Why are the Jaguars being mentioned here? Oh, if the boy. Jaguars were to sign Clowney, hey Clowney, what do you, Jadavion, what, what do you? Do? I mean, you got to be. Well, it would have to be a multi. Hey man, yeah, they got cap space, baby. Right, it has to be a true, a true big-time contract. But they have 35 million bucks in cap space. If the Titans and the Saints say, "I got you for 15," and the Jags say, "I got you for 19," I'm in. Not, we'll he's see not, in Jacksonville. He's not getting 15. Not from, uh, not from New Orleans or Tennessee. I would guess. 12. I think even that might have to be come with incentives. And to be fair, this is the one time we have to say this segment is being filmed. <laughs> A couple of days in advance, so if it Let happens, the cat out of the bag, folks. If you're a regular watcher of the show, gotta thin. The, we don't record live on Saturdays back. and Sundays, okay? Uh, we do Thursdays and Fridays, so that's why Mike. Uh, you know, we mentioned yeah. What did we mention yesterday? We thought Lashawn McCoy would be the one who gets axed. Oh, Here's we're going to talk about that next segment. Yeah, so much for that happening. As McCoy actually kept his job, I can't believe 
I can't believe they kept McCoy. To me, that's just silly uh, over the uh, over Dade. But well, whatever, it is what it is. But yes, uh, there's that cat out of the bag for you. This is actually Friday afternoon. Uh, in case this thing changes here. But, uh, yeah, I would think... Don't belabor the point, George. I'm just trying to let them know that we might get this Jamie Clowney p.m. in about 38 seconds, <laughs> if you really want to know. It's 1-1 Dallas-Colorado in the hockey game. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, uh, if Clowney were to sign with Jacksonville, I mean, another, like I said, Clowney, I'm sure it would have to be a 3-4 you know, year deal, big money contract, but what, what's Jacksonville doing? Why are they even being mentioned here? You traded Fournette, you traded Yannick, I, don't know. Getting... I, already, I already took them under four and a half. I would prefer Clowney not sign there, <laughs> to be honest. He could swing if, it. I know if he's a big game changer on a bad team anyway. I could certainly I don't see know him either. The Titans certainly, certainly see but him I'd helping. I prefer them just not add talent. <laughs> I can My money, the money is already in George, so I would just prefer them not to add anyone. Listen, I'm not there Adrian with... Peterson, not Jadavion Clowney, nobody. I got the under as well, so uh, I'm, I'm there with you. But I, I, I just can't. I just found this what. I mean, is this report wrong? What is going on here? You know, you're releasing everybody, you're trading everybody, which is the right thing to do. You got one of these draft picks, and now you got to sign Clowney, who, uh, you know, he's a good player, by the way. He is not Reggie White. You know, someone, oh, my yeah. God, Lawrence Taylor, a true game changer. He's not that. But I think he would help the Saints or Titans, sure. Uh, Saints only have $7 bucks in cap space right now. The Titans have 22 so we know that the Saints are maneuvering contracts around extensions, everything else to try to move the money around, which could potentially help. But teams can work magic. I've seen them do it before, and I just don't know if they'll be able to do it. Uh, but, yeah, th those are two good options, by the way. Both playoff teams last year, uh, good options for him. Uh, crazy that the Seahawks did all that trading, and he's just going to walk. They ultimately get really very little. Uh, production out of him and very little um, very little during the exchange and the trade with the Texans. So, all right, we'll, uh, we'll uh, wrap it up this segment. We're going to come back, talk about the Bucks, like George just talked about, a few other things that happened in the NFL this week. We'll be right back on The Grid. It's FFC, Mike and George. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Uh, back on the grid, uh, Mike and George talking about just just going to rip off a whole bunch of news, players being released, uh, see if there's anything that we can sift through here. But first one was sort of confusing, George. We talked about it on yesterday's show, and I have to follow it up because we were sure that LaShawn McCoy was going to be the odd man out of the five running backs. Uh, we didn't. Nobody thought they were going to keep five running backs. They didn't. But LaShawn McCoy is not the odd man out. They released special teams captain Daria Gumbawale. Now, the special teams captain doesn't assure you of a spot on the roster. It just means that you've been hustling and doing everything you need to do in order to make the team and sort of doing uh, the yeoman's work that keeps guys that are fringe players on football teams. But a year ago, Daria Gumbawale was sort of this, like, uh, maybe he's a deep sleeper. We're not sure about Ronald Jones. Uh, maybe he can... Uh, you Barber, remember that was talk about a year ago. He didn't get on the field much offensively, caused some passes, but he's the one released. So now you got Leonard Fournette, who I get is treated like an older player, but is not. Then you have 
Rojo, our guy, Rojo, shout out to Chris Ventra, who says that Rojo now needs to go to another team. And then it's McCoy and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, their draft pick. So uh, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't see I don't see what LaShawn McCoy adds to this team. He doesn't add anything to the team. All right. At this point in his career, he's an average football player at best. Uh, Fournette's going to be the main ball carrier here eventually. I know Arians came out yesterday and said Rojo is still the starter. Yeah, okay. Uh, we know Fournette's a better player, and that's going to play in, uh, in eventually. Uh, I know Ventura loves Rojo. Free Rojo, yes. I remember from the frenzy last year. Uh, I think he'll get a chance, but uh, eventually the, the more talented player is going to play, and that is Fournette. So uh, getting back to the initial question, you know Keyshawn Vaughn's got a job. They drafted him. McCoy is superfluous. You have this already. You don't. He's nothing he can add to your team. You released a very good special teams player. He'll be claimed immediately. There are teams out there that are going to look for a special teams player that have the, the room at running back. I understand there was, it's sort of a deep running back group here, but what does McCoy do for you unless there's an injury? There's an injury, yes, that McCoy can help you out there, but without one, you already have what he does in, uh, in Rojo. It's really the same, or Keyshawn Vaughn. Fournette's a different kind of player there than McCoy ever was. I don't understand this. This, to me, seems like you uh, you kept the, the bigger name player rather than uh, you know almost to placate you know fans and stuff like that. I don't understand. Well, there's no attachment to this guy whatsoever I in this it. locker room on this team. I, I get he's a veteran player that I'm sure other players like and may even gravitate to. But once you sign Fournette, that it's was done. it. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think Agumbo Ali finds his way onto another team pretty quickly. And he might even be the type of guy that the second there's an injury with the Bucks, they bring him back, right? That, I don't, that I don't could... think he'll get a chance. I think he's going to sign. I don't think oh, he's I going agree. to be out there as a free agent for long. I agree. I agree. So, uh, all right, next thing, just a couple of news and notes. Hakeem Butler, a fourth-round pick of the Cardinals last year that people thought could be a sleeper. He's huge, a huge target, really struggled in his year-plus with the team. He was released this week. And any guy like that with that kind of size and potential ability is going to get an opportunity somewhere else. But the Cardinals turning over this roster, George, in in a way that Cliff Kingsbury has obviously demanded. Now, Cliff Kingsbury was there for the drafting of Hakeem Butler, but the receiving core now is DeAndre Hopkins in the lead. You got Christian Kirk coming back, uh, hopefully a big season. Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Andy Isabella. And Keyshawn Johnson. That's really it at the moment. Uh, so it's a pretty full receiving core. I don't think Keem Butler is going to see many, if any, targets. But uh, to move on from a guy like that, I think is uh, indicative of him just having had a bad camp or a bad year with them. Uh, I think it's a numbers game as well. Yeah. Once again, most teams probably only going to keep five wide receivers. I think a six would have to be an outstanding special teams performer to uh, stay on the uh, the roster. And you mentioned it. Hopkins, Kirk, Fitzgerald, Isabella, Keyshawn, and Johnson, they all got jobs. You know, they weren't yeah, going those were anywhere. like locked in. They were like right. locked in at five. So yeah, I, I Butler think Butler would have had to be wild. outstanding, outstanding to have a shot at, the, you know, to stay with this team. So uh, I'm sure he, he didn't play all that great as well as what you said, but uh, I don't know if he had much of a chance. Yeah. Plus, you also have guys like Johnson and Isabella. Look, most teams are going to keep six wide receivers. But you have guys like Johnson and Isabella, and Isabella that are contributing on special teams, and Butler's not a major contributor there. That makes it even tougher for him. If you're guys. not a star player or a very good player, you better do something on special teams to secure your spot. 
100%. We see it. Hard knocks, if there's one thing, I know you're not a hard knocks guy, but if there's one thing that hard knocks drills into you every year, and there was the episode last week with the Chargers where the receiving coach, it wasn't talking about special teams necessarily, but the receiving coach was talking about you better block. And he was using very colorful language, and he was telling the receivers, you got Keenan Allen here, Mike Williams, and he ripped off one or two other names. He's like, there's 10 of you here. There's obviously not enough jobs for you. And he's like, you better block. Your head coach is a former fullback and special teams captain. If you don't block, you're out of here, especially when Keenan Allen is doing it. So uh, you see that. Uh, I'm not trying to be old school here, but you really do see that a lot. And I don't know the reasons for Hakeem Butler being cut or frankly, Darian Agumbo Ali, because he was doing the right things, but uh, really interesting sort of uh, focus on that. So here's a guy, George, next guy up, uh, unfortunately released, John Kelly, running back for the Rams. The Rams running back group and the Chargers running back group, to me, in fantasy circles, has not been talked about enough. People like Cam Akers, we love Austin Eckler, great. But the Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, John Kelly thing has not really been talked about that much. Similarly, I don't think people have talked much about Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly. So not to get your Kellys mixed up, John is released with the Rams. Josh is with the Chargers. But you, give me just your thoughts on those backfields right there. Let's just say something. I mean, Akers, he's the guy, right? He's going to be a rookie running back that has a shot. Yes. We assume, right? We assume he is. Uh, I've not heard I much about it. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion at all. I know fantasy owners assume he's going to be that guy as well. Uh, drafting last night in my home league, I picked up Daryl Henderson, and I think it was around. It's a home league, you know. No, it's not an industry league. But I got Henderson. I'm going to say round 16, and he was still there. I'm like, okay, I'll, if you're going to leave him for me, and I didn't need a running back, you know. I'm like, fine, I'll take it there. Um, I don't think Acres is a lock. He's the guy I'd want. In that uh, for the Rams, but I don't think he's a mortal lock. I don't. I think Malcolm Brown can make some noise as well. I think this could be a situation where hot guy, you know, who's playing well, who fits the offense that day, you know, who's the better pass blocker in certain situations. I think a lot of this could uh, play a part in here. Um, I mean, they're the Chargers, virtually free, but I have Justin Jackson and Malcolm Brown shares on a whole bunch of best ball teams. I have Justin Jackson shares and on well. and on seasonal teams. Justin Jackson. We've seen him play. If he gets usurped by Josh Kelly, then I was wrong. But I basically don't pay anything for him. And if Austin Eckler were to get injured, and frankly, George, uh, sorry to go down this path, but when Melvin Gordon was on the team, Austin Eckler had a role. To assume Austin Eckler is going to touch the ball 400 times and he's got it like old school Le'Veon Bell, that ain't it. That is not happening. They don't play like that. And I don't think they will. Uh, plus, he's only 5, 10, 200 pounds. Oh, yeah, he's small. Right. If he has the ball 400 player. times, he won't make it to week 10. You know, he'll be dead. So uh, he won't. Uh, I mean, if I was going to take the back, if I would rather go to the Rams, because I think there's more of a chance for a Henderson or a Brown to play, Eckler is the guy. Now, I don't mean the guy is in Elliott, Barkley, but he's going to be the guy. There. He has 60, 40 touches. A lot touch of touches, thing. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I want Eckler. I think Eckler's a top... Uh, they use him in the red zone. He catches passes. He's just a really versatile back that you like to have. Yeah, I think he's a top eight 
uh, running back as far as fans wow. are concerned this year. I think he's going to be that good uh, over some of these other guys. But I, uh, you know, Justin Jackson, I think, has a role there. I do. Uh, I think he's going to play some. The Rams is more wide open. Okay, I think it's Acres. I do think it's Acres. But you're right. Why are we hearing a lot? We're not hearing a lot of buzz about this. And once again, uh, this could be because you know, the media members really aren't there watching live practice. They're on hard knocks. You know, I don't see anything about it. And they don't mention the running. Like, they mention the fat quiet. running back on the Chargers. It's like the old it's one lone quiet. running back story. Yeah. It's too quiet, which is one of the reasons I was very happy to get Henderson last night. I'll take the running back depth. Maybe something mm-hmm. does work out there. Of course, in that draft, I also took Adrian Peterson. Well, that'll happen, George. I mean, we're all going to get burned. I I got some AP shares in best ball, too. That I, I, I had no interest in it, but when I— Where does he go, Mike? When I'm down to my fifth or sixth running back, I, I'm not even going to hazard a guess there. Oh, you're no fun. I, I can't. Where is he going to go? Who wants a 35-year-old running back? He's better than some of the guys on rosters, though, even at this age. That's assuming, obvious. Assuming it's not, he's not going to be a starter, all right, that he knows that. I mean, Chicago makes some sense. They're banged up. Philadelphia, although Philadelphia, I don't know what Freeman wants, but I'm surprised Freeman hasn't been signed already. Is he asking for still too much money? I mean, I can't believe Freeman doesn't have a job. Yeah. I think he'd be a very good backup running back for a team. I could see Houston. I mean, David Johnson, fine, but he gets hurt a lot. Duke is not is a different kind of running back. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't mind him going there to be a, uh, like a backup kind of guy. I think that could work out. Looking at other teams here, uh, that might be about it. Would the Chiefs want a... Just looking at them. Would the Chiefs want somebody else with some experience in there? Different kind of back, though. Not not a good pass catching back. No. Darwin Thompson and Daryl Williams and DeAndre Washington, those guys have gotten reps in the past with... How about the Raiders? And elsewhere. They're like everybody else who's uh, old and ancient. Who? The Raiders. I mean, that does make that's, sense, actually. That's a that's a Gruden move all day. It, it does smell like a Gruden. How about the Patriots, right? Uh, they were in on Fournette. I know he's not Fournette, boys and girls, okay? I'm just saying they were in on Fournette, so they could use some running back help. Michelle is not helping anybody, and uh, Harris is already banged up a little bit. Yeah, but the, here's the Raiders running back room. Uh, you know what? We're going to come back. We'll close, <laughs> we'll close it up uh, at the end of the hour. Mike and George back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to football full circle right here on the grid. And we're joined by my friend and excellent analyst, Emery Hunt. You find him on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. He's the owner of Football Game Plan. Emery, I hope it's been a good summer for you. Football right around the corner. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a fun summer. A lot of work goes into what we're going to talk about during the fall. So it's never a dull moment here at the Football Game Plan Complex. Good stuff. So, uh, Really wanted to focus a little bit on quarterbacks. We can take this conversation any which way. But a couple guys in particular uh, stand out to me. And that's Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Stafford. In that, they're getting up there in years, notably Ben. Both coming back from pretty significant injuries. Stafford didn't play a whole bunch of games. And Roethlisberger missed basically 14 games. 
what are your expectations for those two to come back? People sound bullish on Matt Stafford. The reports have been good on Roethlisberger, but it's a major elbow surgery at 38 years old. Yeah, I'm more worried about Roethlisberger than I am about Stafford, although I am worried about Stafford because of the back. And he's had this back issue the last two seasons. So we've seen how that played out for uh, Tony Romo and how that prematurely ended his career. And I think, but for Stafford, judging by what he was doing when he was out there on the field, he was playing his best ball, to be quite honest. And Detroit was in the mix. And now he comes back healthy with a better team around him. I think Detroit is one of those sneaky, under-the-radar teams that could vie for maybe that seventh spot in the playoffs um, because of what they built. It all depends on if their defense can get up to speed and be ready to play. But for Roethlisberger, that elbow, like you said, and it wasn't an elbow where he got hit awkwardly. He was throwing the football and hurt himself. So you wonder, without preseason, without getting hit, all those things you worry about with rookie quarterbacks, you have to worry about with Ben Roethlisberger, especially when you see guys that came in with him. Eli Manning retired. Phillip Rivers didn't look his best last year, and I'm surprised he got quickly picked up by Indianapolis. So Roethlisberger is of the same uh, elk in, in terms of his age and where he is in his career. He still plays a very good level of football. I won't say super high level, but he plays good level, which should be enough to get Pittsburgh into the playoffs. We saw this team come to the brink of the playoffs last year with everybody at quarterback. And so now they get at least some stability with Roethlisberger. So he could be good in real football, but fantasy, I would be a little leery. All right, Henry, I got a, I got a two-part question for you here. Uh, let's talk Cam Newton. Cam Newton with New England. Uh, personally, I think they got a gift from God. The Bills, amazing. Uh, the Patriots, it's amazing how everything works out for them. Uh, what do you think about Cam? Is he going to be the player we've uh, become accustomed to you uh, seeing? You know, Superman out there, where he can run, he can throw the ball, or we can see maybe more of one or the other. And my part two question is: since we're just talking about Ben, in my mind, Ben and Cam are the two leading candidates for a comeback player of the year. Do you have an opinion of which one will win the award? Uh, that's a good second question because you you think that's going to come with okay, who's going to have the better season, which means who can have the better team, which then you're really splitting hairs when you talk about Pittsburgh and New England uh, because of the coaches' staffs on both teams. So I like that question. I'll I'll tackle that one first because you look at Cam Newton and you look at uh, Ben Roethlisberger and what they have around them. You like the weapons that they have in Pittsburgh. But I would say when you look at some of the weapons that they have in New England, I kind of am impressed with what they were able to acquire. I like the tight end, the rookie Devin Asiasi from UCLA was one of my favorite tight end prospects in the class. The fact that you have a Cam Newton uh, running the football or able to run the football, it opens up the run game. So those guys that they have already in the backfield on their roster are guys that will benefit from Cam Newton just being back there at the quarterback position. So I guess that kind of leads into your first question where I think he's going to do a little bit of both. But I do think uh, knowing that you know, he has come off of an injury and, and wants to be out there for the full 16-game season. When he runs, he may be a little bit more judicious in when and where he takes hits, uh, which means he will, become, he will become less reckless, which will help preserve him for the long haul. That's what people don't understand about a guy like Lamar Jackson and a guy like Russell Wilson. Both of those guys, while they run often, they protect themselves by not running reckless. When you talk about running reckless, you're talking about Michael Vicks. You're talking about your Steve Youngs. You're talking about guys that tend to run into contact too often. And I don't care how big you are, you can't continue to take that pounding like that if you're initiating the contact. So I think we'll see Cam Newton limit his 
contact this year, which should help preserve him, but also not lose that element of being able to run the football as we've seen over the course of his career. It's a really good point about Cam. I, 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 this moment stands out to me. It's a relatively innocuous moment, but there was a game of a few years ago against the Giants. Uh, it wasn't a particularly good Giants team. It was early in the game, and Cam was just running over people to try to impose his will upon people, which is great because it worked at the time. But I remember thinking, you know, you can take a couple of plays off from doing this in order to preserve yourself. It, the chickens come home to roost at some point, even if Cam, who is likely to considered one of the greatest athletic specimens in the history of football at that position, I just always thought that he, he could take a couple of hits away from himself, to your point. But let me transition over to another uh, QB situation. We have Josh Rosen and, and Tua uh, Tungabailoa down in Miami. Tua seems like he's going to be installed strictly as the number two quarterback. They'll start the season. Patrick, it's TBD as to when Tua will come in. So I'll ask you the question about Josh Rosen first. Miami's been fielding calls. They're open about the fact that they've been fielding calls. Do you think Josh Rosen has a path to be a starting quarterback? He's never gotten a real shot. So that's question number one. Number, and question number two, uh, give me the number of games that you think two is going to start this year. You know, I, I have to disagree slightly. I, I do think he's gotten a real shot to be a starter. That was in Arizona. And he also got a shot in Miami. But we saw that offense look like it wasn't even supposed to be on an NFL field when he was out there. Fair point. Fair Just point. the point when, when Fitzpatrick came in, that offense instantly became better and it became much more competitive. So I think he's flamed out at two spots, man, to be honest. And usually they will give first-round picks every opportunity to prove themselves terrible. We saw, we, we see this in Chicago. You know, they will not quit Mitchell Trubisky, even though it has been obvious that he has been the problem out there for their offense. So I think Rosen's chance is to be a backup. He can grow into the new Blaine Gabbert, who has embraced that role and has played well when called upon in spot duty now that he's a reserve I think he's now in Tampa Bay. But when you look at Tua, I think they have the luxury now of going with a Ryan Fitzpatrick who played some of his best ball last year in guiding his football team, leading them to some competitive wins. But I do think if they're at week eight and they're, or week nine, they're two and eight, then you're probably going to see Tua. If they're two and six, and, you know, two and six can still go either way, uh, I still think you'll see Fitzpatrick. I, I think... It'll depend on the, the record of the of the team and when they are in the season and how they're playing. I think we may see Tua for five or six games because I do think the Dolphins will be competitive, um, and it may just be a, hey, we reached this the point that we can go as far as we could with Fitzpatrick, so let's put Tua in to get some reps and see if he can push this thing forward. Um, but I think it'll have to be a dire situation where the Dolphins are out of playoff contention and they want to get this, the future rolling right Would away. Would you install packages like the Saints did with Taysom Hill? Would you do that with Tua, who I think Tua is obviously a, a far superior player to Taysom Hill? But w if you're the Dolphins, are you installing certain different-look packages like the Eagles could with Jalen Hurts, like the, the Dolphins obviously could with Tua? I, now, I don't, I don't view Tua in that same realm. To me, Tua, Vincent, his athleticism is that like Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, would, I wouldn't feel comfortable with him out there trying to, you know, execute the zone read because I do think he's not the type to really make a guy miss. He's going to take more sacks than he gets away from him. Um, I would be more intrigued if they do some things like that, which you're talking about with Malcolm uh, Kelly, 
the um the uh, Malcolm Perry, I'm sorry, the quarterback, the Navy. former option quarterback at Navy, yeah. that's now a slot receiver uh, with the Dolphins. Okay, little piece of news here. The Jaguars have placed uh, running back Rykel Armstead on the reserve COVID list. Uh, second time he's been placed on that list this preseason. So uh, just let people know out there. So Armstead's on the COVID list for the Jaguars. That's not my question, however. Question uh, came up uh, last night. Uh, I saw this little story here that uh, we know that Watson's in negotiations to get a new a new contract. It's going to be a gazillion dollars, blah, blah, blah. But one thing that was interesting, according to the reports, and we don't know how true or false these reports may be, the money being talked about is more in the range of Russell Wilson, not Pat Mahomes, or not anywhere near close to Pat Mahomes. My question will you, uh, for you, Emery, is this. Assuming that's true, what does this mean for the DAC negotiations, where he seems to want more money, or he doesn't want to be with Dallas, or he wants you know, a three-year contract, not a five-year contract, or whatever it might be? How do you think the Watson negotiations will impact the DAC negotiations? I think they all help each other out because it consistently pushes that number further up for for Dak or for even for Watson. You know, I think when you look at those quarterbacks and, and Watson being just like Dak, both guys have been consistently good and consistently putting their team in the playoffs and playing good football. Uh, so I think both guys will warrant that highest salary and whoever gets signed first, the other guy will use that as a negotiating ploy with their team and, and try to push that number up even for, further. That's That should be the brotherhood of the NFL where guys are trying to uh, constantly raise the, the level of pay for their position. You saw it with the running back position. You see it. You saw it a while back with receivers, and you're seeing it now with quarterbacks. So they're rooting for one to to get signed at a at a very good rate because that kind of pushes the bar uh, ahead of where it is currently. So how about our one guy uh, drafted in the first round this year that we know is going to play? We talked about Tua. You and I have talked about Justin Herbert offline. He's not ready to go, at least for this year. Jordan Love not ready to go. Joe Burrow, expectations here. Offensive line slightly improved. Do you trust Zach Taylor to bring him along the right way? He's got decent. He's got good to decent to good weapons. We don't know AJ Green's health. We know about Joe Mixon and, and Tyler Boyd, but expectations for Joe Burrow. He's a rookie, but uh, can he be a good rookie? I think so because he has taken all the reps throughout all the first team reps throughout camp and also during the, yeah. the Zoom meetings and stuff like that. But they also have T. Higgins, too, another talented rookie receiver from sure. Clemson. Uh, I do like Joe Burrow's situation in Cincinnati, to be quite honest. Last year, I thought the Bengals, they didn't play terrible. They, they were in a lot of ball games. Um, they just didn't, they couldn't finish. I felt like if they hadn't benched AJ, uh, I'm sorry, Andy Dalton, then maybe they could have won more games. But I do think this team is set up to really help a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback, get up to speed pretty quickly. They got the running back like we talked about. They got good options at receiver. For now, it seems like John Ross is healthy, so that's another addition to the uh, perimeter. And defensively, I think they'll be much better than what we saw last season, especially at, at linebacker. I like what they've added there. So I think this is a, a good situation for him to grow in. It wouldn't surprise me to see them win six games, even push for seven or eight, depending on how things break for that defense later in the year. Because we know Burrow will get better every game. Uh, yeah. He's played a lot of college. He hadn't played a lot, but he did play a lot in a short period of time. And he's an experienced guy, so he's not going to be too shocked by the, the moment. And I think having no fans in the stands this season kind of helps a rookie quarterback get up to speed pretty quickly. I actually like that uh, take. Didn't think about that. No fans in the stands could help the rookie quarterbacks. Uh, listen, we are a gambling network. 
And I'm, I bet that I, I, I know I like. I think Mike likes it as well. Get your opinion out here. Kyler Murray to win MVP or Offensive Player of the Year is up there about 25-28 to 1. But I don't know if they can make the playoffs. Do you think uh, – what would it take for Kyler Murray to win MVP? Got about 40 seconds, Emma. I think he'll have to kill the numbers-wise, number one, but also push that team to the playoffs. I do think the Cardinals can finish first in the AFC on paper. They've gotten better defensively, and they're in that second season of Cliff Kingsbury in that offense. And I think that was another team that was five plays away from being nine and seven. Yeah. It's interesting, man. I, I, I'm going to – I have Kyler, at Offensive Player of the Year. To win MVP, they'd have to win the division. But I don't. I just don't know if they can get there. It's a lot of competition there. But great stuff as always. Thank you for joining us on our final show of this offseason. You can find Emery on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. We'll talk to you again soon, bud. Have a great season. Appreciate you guys. Right back on the grid after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thanks to Emery Hunt. Good stuff there on our quarterbacks and, and everything else. Again, find him on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Uh, he does a great job. Uh, you see him constantly commenting and uh, always putting out good information on both college and pro football. So, George, I want to wrap up a conversation we were having uh, before uh, we talked to Emery, and that was about the Raiders running back room, how it's just such a John Gruden move to potentially sign Adrian Peterson. They got Josh Jacobs, who's a, such a, a, an absolute clear-cut Starter. By the way, you like Jacobs more or less than Eckler for fantasy? Oh, it's That's close. The debate, right? It's yeah. real. It's real. It's pretty much the debate there. Jacobs, I actually think Jacobs would see more touches. I think you're right. I'll agree with you there. Um, I want to go. If you're playing in a standard league, it's definitely Jacobs. If you're playing a PPR, I'll probably go Eckler. I probably lean a little bit more towards. What do you want? What kind of fantasy owner are you? Are you a gambler? If you look for upside, I'll go Eckler. If you look at just, I want to get my points here. I want to know I'm going to be covered each week. I'll go Jacobs. Yeah, I'm a gambler, so I'm taking Eckler. So can't imagine uh, why. Uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, Lynn Bowden is in the backfield. He's obviously kind of a Swiss Army knife of a player. Uh, Jalen Richard, who's been there, Devontae Booker, and Theo Riddick. That's the running back room as of Friday, late Friday. Uh, that could change. We don't expect them to have five running backs like we don't expect other teams to have five running backs. But that's sort of a full room. You're effectively cutting two of those guys to bring in Adrian Peterson, and I don't, I don't know that you would do that. I also don't know what kind of camp uh, Devontae Booker, Theo Riddick, or Jalen Richard are having. I just don't know. Lynn Bowden gets things written about him because he's such an explosive athlete, and Josh Jacobs is what he is. So I don't know. Well, we bring it up because it is a Raiders move to bring in a former superstar, you know, a future Hall of Famer. They've done yeah. this before in the past, you know. So that's why we bring it up. But you're right. You look at their running back roster, they don't need him. I mean, uh, he might be better than Rashard as a pure backup running back, but does he do other things as well? Do you want to pass catching back so that he doesn't do well? You could say the Riddick's that guy. And again, but, uh, they'll play special teams, those right. guys. That, that AP does. will not do that. Well, it's funny. I mean, when you go back He'll to He'll get Bay, zero snaps on special teams. Zero. Jimmy, the whole year. Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells believed there were three parts of a football game. Offense, defense, special teams. Some coaches don't look at it like that. 
that ah, oh, we can afford to lose special teams. And maybe in some ways in today's game you can because all kickoffs are generally in the end zone, right? Most of you know, there's not many returns there, but there are still punt returns. I think it was nuts to not value special teams, but I do wonder if, if some coaches don't value it as much as others. Okay, that's it. Uh, thanks for watching this hour of football full circle. On behalf of Brian Rakowski and George Kurtz, I'm Mike Blewett. See you next time on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com.